Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to step inside the Octagon with your host, Ike Feldman. Ladies and gentlemen, after five rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards. Here are the totals. 50-44, 50-45, and 49-46. All for your winner by unanimous decision, Sean Tarzan Strickland! Yo, 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 yo. What is up? It's your boy, Ike Feldman here. Again, for another episode of the Ikegon, I-K-E-T-A-G-O-N.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Periscope, OnlyFans. We're covering all the bases. We're making it around all the bases if you catch the reference. But what's up, everybody? A lot to talk to. Whoops. Damn, every time I take off a long time, there's always a technical malfunction. But a lot to get to. The Olympics are happening. There's always MMA, combat sports happening. Huge fights in UFC, huge fights in Bellator. But what's going on, guys? It's just turned to August. Everybody's got to be feeling good. Uh, You know, I'm sure you have your tan going. I'm sure your beach body is long past you. You're... Now on your beer body, everybody's probably, well, me personally, I, I've, uh, I think I've mentioned this. <sighs> About nine months ago, I became a dad and uh, life's been amazing. It's been uh, in the fast lane of the highway and uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty exhilarating. My focus is on a whole nother level just to uh, get down and record in the uh, the gender neutral cave takes uh, a little extra preparation, but never motivation. I'm always uh, excited to record, but I'm very, uh, very focused, very focused career goals, life goals, uh, the present life with my wife, my beautiful baby boy, family. I've moved back from Brooklyn to strong island uh you know had to represent maybe i was getting a little too skinny and a little too frail uh maybe i was a soy boy in brooklyn for a couple of years but your boy is back on strong island and uh holding down the fort and representing long island very well i've tried every pizza place i've come across i literally can't deny seconds when it comes to desserts it's been disgusting I promised myself and everybody around me, my goal was to break the dad bod uh, stereotype. And man, it's gone the other way. 
I'm kind of leaning into it or kind of falling into it, but it's all good. I enjoy being a dad and losing an ab or two or five and uh, representing the keg. Shout out to Gary Reef, a former college baseball teammate. He represented the keg very well. He, uh, <laughs> he said he would show up uh, – uh, just drunk to practice. No joke. Wearing a pea coat, and under a pea coat, he was uh he had his uniform. And uh, my boy uh Milton always joked. He uh he'd be like, "Man, Reef drinks a lot." I'd be like, "Yeah, that's uh baseball. That's what you do. You drink a lot and you play baseball." And he's like, "Oh, so the more you drink, the better shape you are." So, uh, needless to say, I'm in excellent baseball shape right now. I'm sure some MLB athletes and uh, college athletes and now the Olympian baseball athletes are taking their diet a little more serious. I'm sure they're not drinking that much in Olympic Village, but a lot to get to. Simone Biles, everybody's got their take. I feel like I'm in hostile territory uh, for most of my takes on Long Island. Uh, If you guys don't know, Long Island is strong Island, but there is a mix of everything I'm on the stereotypes for Long Island are either you're rich and you're related to a Gatsby or a Vanderbilt <laughs> or you're blue collar you train MMA and you eat a lot of pizza and you're very and you're on steroids so I try to find the in-between I, I respect both again we have the toughest mofos in the sport of mixed martial arts, in my opinion, I have to always reiterate this because I feel like you guys forget Chris Weidman, Matt Serra, Ally Kinta, Aljamain Sterling, Pete Sell, Matt Frivola, Dennis Bazooka, John Volante, some bad mofos and bad mofos from around the world. Uh, like Marab Devalashvili, uh, uh, that's it. That's the only person who has the balls to show up to a uh, strong Island MMA gym and try to throw down. But uh, yeah, I, I believe the Long Island fighters are the toughest fighters in the world. But on the and, and to coincide with that point, the I believe the first Green Beret or Ranger to receive the silver. I think it's a silver medal of honor. I think his name, Michael Murphy, who was, uh, his character was portrayed by Taylor Klitsch in the movie Lone Ranger, the Mark Wahlberg movie uh, about Marcus Luttrell. The true story about only being one survivor in a crazy ambush on top of a Afghani mountain. But the fighter, literally who received the first and last silver medal of honor since the Vietnam war was Michael Murphy from Patchogue, New York. And that's the tough side of it. When you also look at the more white collar people with the Gatsby's, the Robert Moses, the Vanderbilt's, the shamanad kids basically you you get a mix of long on so you have the tough guys who will can take a punch can knock you out 
can save troops, um, be awarded one of the highest honors in history in military, and on the flip side, do great things uh, with philanthropy and construction and entrepreneurship on the other side. So to tie a bow on this, I try to represent Long Island the best I can. And it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Five years. I feel like some families and friends, they, uh, y'all must have forgot. Y'all must have forgot. Yeah, I went to Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a soy boy. Yeah, I like organic food. But your boy is tough. Do not forget this. Do not forget this. So my point is, I don't know. <laughs> just be, just be cool. Just be cool. Understand everybody's situations. And the point is Simone Biles. I do know what the point is. And it's a tough point because I believe a lot of this audience that are watching, they see Simone as weak, weak-minded. The fact that she didn't push through to... And again, we're going to get to UFC, MMA, Bellator stuff, but I think this is the biggest story of the last week, maybe the last 10 days. Simone Biles, who is the greatest Olympian outside of Michael Phelps since maybe the 70s, since Mark Fisher, uh, whoever that amazing swimmer is that Michael Phelps passed since the 70s, uh, maybe Michael Johnson, the sprinter. Simone Biles is up there, top five over the last maybe 50 years, if I had to guess. But gotta put some respect on her name because she deserves it not only because of her olympic prowess for the gold medals and everything but if she says she's had enough that's okay if she says that she's reached her breaking point that's okay too i mean I feel like everybody forgets that Michael Phelps, him letting off some steam was him smoking a bong and getting caught in some college dorm. And maybe these Olympic athletes, they don't get a college experience or a time to just be kind of idiots or goofballs, smoke weed, drink like idiots, throw up, because there is a lot of pressure on them, not only from themselves, but from teammates, coaches, sponsors, family, friends, their town, everywhere they go, they are basically known as the golden child. And some of these Olympian, Olympian gold medalists are friggin' teenagers. I think Simone Biles won her medals when she was, oh boy, we got a hotline call. <laughs> Again, the number 646-820-9848. I don't know who the hell is calling right now. Oh, man. If it's my friend, I'll kill somebody. <laughs> don't prank me or prank me. Either way, I don't care. Or give me a call to disagree. I don't know why it's not showing up. 
Yeah, maybe we'll uh we'll play the voicemail. Hopefully it's nothing uh <laughs> too dirty. But yeah, I think nobody can really put themselves in her shoes. And Michael Phelps can't even put himself in her shoes because he cracked. And I can respect Simone Biles for knowing when enough's enough. Maybe she's avoiding the crack or the mental breakdown and before she does something stupid. And I think we should honor that. We should really respect when an athlete or a public figure says, I've had enough. I need a break. And I respect that. A local boxing expert named Dan Canobio. His brother, Nick Canobio, owns Triton Fights. I'm sure Long Islanders and New Yorkers have heard of the excellent amateur and sometime professional fight league. Uh, the Canobios do an excellent job running that broadcast and running that organization. But my boy, Dan Canobio, he agrees with what I'm saying. And his point is that uh, we do have a voicemail, so this will be interesting. My boy, Dan Canobio, is saying, America, the USA, is the only country that will drag their athletes through the mud. Now, I don't watch the news. I barely watch other sports. My sole focus is literally on trying to study and deliver the best, best version of combat sports I can. And I really don't care about politics, outside stuff, outside of MMA. My bubble is a beautiful bubble. And I do this funny thing where I go, uh, I do a word of mouth type of uh, news tracking. I'll go to parties, gatherings, uh, meet up with family or friends, and they'll tell me what's going on in the world in the news locally, uh, statewide or nationally or globally. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I just found out college athletes are, are going to get paid. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, I found out about Simone Biles because of uh, the MMA Twitter, as I call it, brought it in to my newsfeed. So I found out about it there, but I'm generally, my newsfeed is just MMA and some bitching Met fans, but that's, that's generally it. And uh, you guys should try it. Try a week. I dare you. I dare you do the, do the Ike challenge. Do one week where you only receive the news by word of mouth. It's pretty refreshing. I see on other people's phones where they get notification, notification from, uh, I won't name any publication. Uh, so you guys judge one side or the other, but boom, 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 boom. And they'll be like, Hey, I found out. I go, I know you did because you receive every freaking notification from every news outlet, turn off your phone and your notifications. Like, Holy moly. Like you're stimulating your mind in so many ways. And I translate this forward into how I uh, am trying to raise my son, not to overstimulate, uh, but not to understimulate because I tried early on to understimulate. And then he saw someone who's like, like no oh crap maybe he should uh be around some uh other people maybe he should uh watch a cartoon or two but uh i believe in balance i believe in balance uh, keep things balanced so i'm trying to find the balance of being a 
Long Island tough guy and also being a Long Island intellectual, if I could pronounce the word. So back to Simone Biles and patriotism. It is true what my boy Dan Canobio said, uh, that the USA will be the only country to uh, drag an athlete's name through the mud. Uh, my father's Israeli, my wife's Macedonian, and uh, my wife's like, did you hear we got the silver medal in Taekwondo? My father doesn't know how to send a text, but he can send an email of an attachment article Let me know that... Uh, that an Israeli won a bronze medal in Taekwondo. I mean, I guess my kid's going to be really good at Taekwondo, but it's, uh, oh, here we go. Call from. To accept, press one. To send a voicemail, press two. Uh, we figured it out. Uh, we got our first caller. What's up and uh, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you want to talk about? Hey, my name is Bert. Just watching the old uh, live stream right now. It doesn't seem like you're uh, quite synced up to talking to me right now. So it's kind of fun to see you uh, navigating on the old tele- or, uh, the computer screen and talking to me at the same time. But, uh, you know, just saw you uh, talking about the Olympics and raising the old kiddo and not trying to overstimulate, but you know, but you also can't understimulate. Find that balance. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? One hundred percent. I I tried to avoid any screen possible. I'm like, I you know what? I could be. What other entertainment does he need than me? And apparently, he needs a, a little more entertainment than me. But not. I don't. I'm not one of the parents who's throwing a phone at. My son, if he's in the stroller, if he cries, luckily he loves nature and looking at things and observing things. But I know some parents, they, they chuck a, a phone like a Frisbee at their kids to shut them up. But uh, I'm glad you see my point of view, Bert. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty much uh, I learned from like some of my wrestling coaches in high school. They were father and son wrestling coach duo. And um, the the father was a math teacher as well. And the son was as well. And um the, so the son went through, um, when he was growing up, they didn't have a TV in the house at all. This is maybe in the 80s, something like that. So it wasn't that long it. ago. And um, we asked why he did that. He's like, oh, like, I want to make him bored so he'd create his own games <laughs> and kind of, you know, just be creative and actually, like, work his brain and everything. And um, that, and then later his son ended up going to Harvard um, and – but he was like doing college math around like seventh grade and stuff. So he's like a wow. genius. And, and he also happened to be a three-time state champ in New York state. Um, and was his best friend, Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's him. He yeah. started just figuring out equations on the board. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just kidding. He started out, you know, at, at the high school as a child janitor, <laughs> yeah. figuring out <laughs> equations on the board (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think uh um you know um a guy i was working for the other day he uh, he's telling me how he doesn't have his kid his daughter on like a on the television or like a phone or at all but it's occasionally it's like all right i need her to be you know like in this one spot and not wander off so we were at a job site actually, and he was about to, you know, stop in real quick and head out with his kid. But 
um, he had to stop by and, um, you know, do a little extra work. So he uh, gave her, her uh, his phone and she just glued to it right away. He, and uh, I'm like, damn, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, it's like, I never break out like any sort of like media like this unless it's like really necessary where I can't, you know, let her do her own thing like in a safe environment. So um seems like he has it kind of balanced out a little bit. But, um, but hey, what do I know? I, I've got no kids. I've got two dogs. Hey, you're always practicing. That's what I say. You know, you're always practicing to make some kids, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> always practicing, you know, to be responsible, uh, always learning. Uh, and, uh, you know, everything kind of transfers from one, one area of life to the other. Um, but, you know, just trying to be nice to people, you know, observe how they do things because, you know, everybody has their own way, you know, there's not one way to do a particular thing, you know, some are more efficient, but, uh, yeah, you know, so just always trying to, uh, you know, also be humble. And I'm seeing you laugh on the screen now. I wonder if we're talking on there. Well, Bert, do you have, oh, time? Yeah. can I ask you a yep. question? Do you have time for a question? Yeah. Oh, of course. I'm just sitting here eating some, uh, some ribs. You seem like that sounds delicious. Is it, uh, it, the sides matter? Do you have mac and cheese on the side? No, it's actually like a, a Vietnamese like um, uh, salad. Um, my my girlfriend, she's half Cambodian, half Vietnamese, and we just saw her family and and uh, I just came, uh, left their house yesterday and they gave me a bunch of leftovers. So nice, um, just snacking away. Yeah, it's great. So and I'd share some with you, but. A little further away. I'm out here in Los Angeles. All right. This is kind of sidetracking, but can you describe the sauce or the rub that's on the, the rib? Is it like a sweet and tangy? Is it sweet and spicy? Give me something, man. I, I've just started a diet today. I'd say a little bit of sweet and tangy. It's not like, it's probably just like the perfect amount of sweet and a mellow, mellow tang. So it's just like, um, it doesn't really hit you. It's like, oh, this is really good. You know, just like, uh, I don't know. It, you want to go somewhere and be like, oh, it's like the honey freaking sriracha flavor. It's just like, you know, very solid, um, sweet, mellow tang, tang rub, I guess. But wow. is that your question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you went into, uh, <laughs> went into depth, Mr. Burt Ramsey, but the, hey, I mean, uh, yeah, so that's about it. If, I, if I'm mumbling, let me know. Cause I have a tendency to talk a little too quickly and mumble. So, um, whoever yeah, tells you know. that is deaf, you sound like gold my man oh my man thank you appreciate that <laughs> you sound like gold simone biles is gold so this is the question that i, I want uh, trying to segue into it so you seem like a very in, introspective guy a guy who can see both sides a guy who is well experienced in many facets of life so in terms of sport, in terms of women, in terms of everything, man. I, I respect you. I, I don't even know you and I respect you. So let me throw this question on your plate and I hope it will be as tangy as those ribs. So I'm sure you've seen what's going on with Simone Biles. Is it fair? Is it not fair? What's your take? Um, I don't think I know too much about it. I just, I've heard like a few hot takes on some podcasts um, and I think one news segment but um i mean she's been doing it since she was like in olympics since she was a teenager right she's she has like a few different gold medals i think um and well she's 24 now right i think yep spot on man spot on yeah uh so i just 
maybe think uh, could be a combination of things is like um, maybe stress from doing it for so long, maybe do COVID stuff, maybe she's not interested anymore. Um, so it could be like a ton of those things, but we, we don't really know or might not ever might not ever know for sure. Um, and it's also the take of like, oh, it's unfair for her teammates, you know, because it's her points go towards the overall team standing and uh, and everything, right? And do they already finish all their uh, competing for that category? That's that's the craziest part about this. Nobody even cares. They just want to spit, as you said, hot takes, and nobody really cares. That's why I think it's just lazy radio, podcast, TV. If people are, are spitting at their own uh, athlete, a fellow American, I think it's silly. It's like we should understand and want to learn more. Nobody's even asking her questions, trying to – infiltrate her mind like because this could be a lesson for i think further generations and teenage girls who are in sports maybe deal with stress i think it's lazy and it's an armchair take to just say that she's mentally weak it's like whoever's saying that cannot compare michael phelps is maybe the only person who could say that and he still broke under pressure and smoke got caught smoking weed and i don't think it's Mm -hmm. a big deal but it shows you that maybe they were too focused on training and never experienced uh, life outside of the hard daily grind of training. And I think we should understand or try to understand what Simone's going through and people aren't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I have no idea what she's going through, but I just have heard that she's been in it for years at like, you know, the highest level. And, you know, I, I don't think she ever had a, really had a childhood either, you know, so that's tough, you know, like, you've seen child actors, stars, whatever, you know, they get to exactly like the 20 year old range and they start to kind of, you know, struggle with mental health, you know? So, I mean, I, I think mental health is super important. You know, everybody is struggling in their own ways, but, um, and then I think some people might sometimes use it as an excuse within Sonic. I, I don't know, like everybody's different. So I think you have to respect somebody when they're struggling mentally. Um, and even though it's like, you know, every four years, it's one competition, but it's like, all right, well, maybe it's just terrible timing for everything, you know, that she's going through. And so who knows? I mean, there, there's more to life than freaking competitions like that. I mean, who knows that like she could just, you know, retire now and then just be like a badass coach if she wanted to, or just maybe just retire and do something completely different. Uh, like it's, it's not anybody else's business, what she does really, unless, you know, you're investing as a coach, you're like, cool, whatever. Like it's your business, but you have to respect what she wants. So like, if she wants to go a different route, you have to say, okay, that's what you want. That's your life, you know? So it's, I don't know, it's, it's all complicated, but in in the end of the day, as a friend of mine, Milton says, in the end of the day, man, you just got to do what you love and, you know, and just uh, be happy. Well, hopefully Milton is doing what he loves Bert. I mean, spot on, man. Is this Bert Kreiser, man? This, uh, this, did you just drop into the octagon? Well, Bert, I love your specials. I mean, I don't think you're running any uh, laps anytime soon or doing any back handsprings, but uh, Mr. Bert, dude, enjoy your ribs. I appreciate the call, seriously. And thank you for the perspective on it. I think you, uh, I threw it up and you dunked at home. Uh, and uh, shout outs to uh, college athletes getting paid now. I know that. Uh, I know, right? It's, it's so pretty cool. cool. I mean, because oh. I mean, college sport alone, like 
if you're fully doing your your schoolwork and your sport like you can't work so it's like oh like you know might as well make some money off it people want to actually like kind of like uh use you like oh it's to sell more tickets or whatever you know or i don't know it's like we're getting smarter day by day people are getting smarter man <laughs> day by day day by day <laughs> bird uh i hope you could call again man i'm gonna try to do this every monday at least just to recap the craziness of the fight weekends and uh what else is in the world but uh thanks for the call brother i really really appreciate it yeah man love the show uh i just happened to pop on my uh my my, my uh youtube and i'm um, happy to see you're going live so i thought i'd watch a little bit and just give you a little ring so Maybe I'll be calling again in the live show if I can. We'll try to make that work. There you go, guys. I appreciate it, Bert. The first live caller of the Octagon, Bert Kreiser. Oh, my gosh. I love his specials. Tom Segura, Joe Rogan, uh, Brendan Shaw, they're, they're, Theo Vaughn, they're all in that, uh, that West Coast Mafia. And now for uh, Joe Rogan, that South Down Mafia in Texas. But Bert Kreiser called wow i made it i made it i could end the show now so but seriously guys bert hit the nail on the head we don't know what's going on we should ask more questions we should be less lazy we should be more in tune uh ears up mouth shut and listening i know i'm a victim of being lazy when it comes to takes and not trying to understand things I really tried to give all my MMA fighters the benefit of the doubt. I mean, since 2018, it's been extremely hard to defend one fighter in particular in Conor McGregor. He comes out again. And it's funny, I mentioned 2018. That's when he fought Khabib Nurmagomedov, UFC 229. October 2018, and since then, it's not been pretty for Mr. McGregor, but i hold off on that for about 10 minutes. I want you guys to learn more about a fantastic service. This is obviously for local people, Long Island, New York, Queens, Brooklyn, maybe Connecticut. Maybe they'll take the ferry there, but are you guys looking for parties to be held in your backyard, in the confines of your beautiful backyard, but the sun is beating down, you're freaking melting, you're saying, damn it, honey, when are we going to get a bigger umbrella, bigger tarp than four by four or six by eight? Well, my boy Joe from Long Island Finest Party Rentals has your back and your hat and the top of your head from getting burned and getting skin cancer. So give my boy Joe and Long Island Party uh, Long Island Finest Party Rentals, a call at 631-314-2863. They always run promotional codes, 10% off, 50% off, 15% off, not 50. That would be crazy. I'd get screamed at for this promotion. But again, give them a call, 631-314-2863. They got you covered. They can even fill your belly. They got slushies popcorn machines, cotton candy machines. If your kid's being a pain in the ass and he's just hopping around, have him hop around on the jump house, bounce house with the water slide. Make sure there's water. You're going to get skin burn on it. Uh, great equipment. If you don't have any kids around and you're getting your drink on, you could throw some alcohol in the slush, slushy machines they have. 
or you could get your dance on and you could do it under the lights because every tent comes with lights. You can also add sidewalls. There's tables, chairs, linens, covers for everything. Uh, and a dance floor. Again, if you're feeling groovy, it's an awesome company. They are, they have knock on wood. They are five for five and Google ratings and stars. They're killing it. The company's flourishing. Good luck getting a tent if you do. But again, call if you're looking to end your summer, your August, your September, all year round. Actually, they have heaters in the winter, but give them a call. 631-314-2863. Tell them Ike Dagon sent you and I don't know, they'll give you a pat on the back or something. But back to our regular scheduled program. Conor McGregor cannot keep his mouth or his Twitter fingers in check. If you guys remember UFC 229, Habib Nurmagomedov. The big press conference at Radio City Music Hall. I was there. Conor McGregor attacked Khabib up, left, right, down verbally. Every way he could. Attacked his religion, his country, his father, his management, his style of fighting. But about seven days later, Khabib did all the talking with his fists. And then he jumped the cage and decided he had a little more energy and wanted to go after conor mcgregor's team conor mcgregor will still not let khabib out of his mind baby come back Woo! you could blame it all on me conor you're gross you're calling your ex but he's not doing the the john cusack radio outside of khabib's house uh type of love call he is being nasty. It's a nasty breakup and it's a nasty ex. And I'm so happy. And I told you guys, I told you guys, Conor McGregor was not going to get that rematch with Khabib as much as Dana White was literally like, Khabib, I'll, I'll like, dude, I'll buy the country of Dagestan for you and I'll give you it, dude. I'll, every kid can eat a lobster and potatoes and, Sweet tangy ribs like our boy Bert. Come on, Khabib. Please, 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 please. Why you call me? No, 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 Dana. That's how the meeting went with Khabib. There is uh, unreleased audio, uh, but that's pretty much how it went. Take my word for it. Dana White begged and pleaded to get Khabib. Uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty sad, pretty sad, but he's a promoter and he has stake in the company and he makes a lot of money from big fights. Big fights make a lot of money. So there is a ton of incentive for him to go out and push Khabib for that rematch, but it never worked, thankfully, because this is the aftermath, a bitter, unhappy, bored unsatisfied unwilling to let go connor notorious mcgregor it's pretty sad and it got pretty nasty uh this is probably the nastiest message sent from connor's camp towards khabib the prior nastiest like if we were doing a top 10 of nasty 
the nastiest was when Connor tweeted and took a shot at Khabib's wife, and he also deleted this tweet. He said, take that towel off your head, and it was a picture of Khabib's wife with a, a, burka, a burka on her head. That is crossing the line. That is too far. That is silly. That's cynical. And uh, you had your chance. You had your chance to uh, fight Khabib and beat Khabib, but you didn't. And you're just coming off worse and worse and worse. I had this <sighs> foresight that maybe Conor McGregor could be the Muhammad Ali uh, of this era where he creates a union and fighters act, but it's, it's hard to be a leader if you can't even follow the rules. Ooh, while that's good, I really don't care about uh, how that sounds because it's, it, what Conor McGregor tweeted was pretty crappy. Khabib's father, Abdul Nurmagomedov passed away because of uh, COVID-19 complications uh, last year. The fight against Justin Gaethje for Khabib was Khabib's last fight and his first fight without his father giving him any advice or overseeing any of his training. And Khabib promised with his mother he wouldn't tra uh, fight after that. He's kept his word. He's now training and just being a supportive teammate and doing bigger things than fighting. And uh, I definitely commend Khabib for it. And now Connor loses to Dustin Poirier, UFC 264. Khabib tweets. You could say this is poking a little, but Khabib tweets, good always defeats evil. Insinuating that Conor McGregor is evil and Conor McGregor dictates did take shots at Dustin Poirier's wife crossed the line again, made it very personal again, again, very similar to the Khabib fight where he seemed like he was trying to fire himself up, trying to light a spark that maybe wasn't there. And then, uh, Conor McGregor about two weeks later tweets. So is coronavirus good and father is evil he's saying that if good always defeats evil coronavirus is good and your father was evil and your father was defeated when he died ouch let that sit for a minute ouch that's uh Not good. When will McGregor, I don't know, appreciate the things he has, all the money he's making, all the opportunities he gets, the, the doors that have opened. He seems like he's spitting in the face out of everything he's granted. Like maybe he's rubbing that genie bottle a little too much and it's all going to fall back on him. And this is all self-sabotage if it does. And it's sad because you wonder where things start, where somebody 
a fighter or athlete of his caliber is at the top and then something gets involved and the snowball effect happens. Well, this isn't a good start. And he has a lot of time on his head now that his, uh, he's dealing with a severe broken leg and a lot of time to think about past fights and future endeavors. And again, that is not tequila. I haven't had a drink in over two months. That is water with honey. I said this before, Conor McGregor has so much time that I'm sure he's going to keep himself busy with his business, his companies, his family, his kids. But when there is 10, 15 minutes, when he does have that alone time, once a day, once every three days or once a week, because again, guys, he's Conor McGregor. He has a lot on his plate, regardless of competing athletically. When he does have that time to kind of reflect, is he happy with the person that he sees and thinks of? Probably not. He'll probably fill that void with more endeavors, more business. And uh, you just hope he learns from it. And if he does come back, you hope he's wiser, kinder, and more appreciative of everything that's coming to his life. So, Conor McGregor, what, what can I tell you? I, I wish I was telling you guys more news about him uh, doing great things. He's rehabbing. He's got his goals and plans on the horizon, and this is what he wants to do. This is what he's going to do, but instead it's just more negative news. So let's go to actual fighting. UFC Vegas 33, Sean Strickland, Uriah Hall, your boy, I mean, your boy predicted exactly what would happen. Strickland would use that fundamental strike, and I call him Mr. Fundy, the Tim Duncan of MMA, and would march down Uriah Hall, the more dynamic striker, more talented striker in terms of variety of strikes, spinning attacks, uh, crazy leaping kicks, devastating knockouts, highlight knockouts. You would be like, man, this guy, what's, is he Anderson Silva? Is this guy Israel Adesanya? No. Uriah Hall is a fighter that has not and may not ever catch that wave of purity in terms of connecting his mind, body, and soul. And I hope he does because he is a local uh, a local New Yorker, but also because he, he seems like a really good guy. He seems like a really in-tune guy, really humble guy, likable guy. You see him hanging out with Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, you see him in his interviews. Very likable guy. Doesn't seem like an arse. Seems really cool, laid back. And uh, the frustrating part is that he hasn't connected the parts of staying focused and using his ability and letting things go. It always, always seems like he's kind of holding back and Sean Strickland is the wrong guy to hold back because Strickland just kept marching him down, marching him down, up and down strikes, engaging in body lock, uh, body locks and clinching and going for takedowns. Uh, 
beautiful pressure, beautiful game plan for Sean Strickland. He is now one of the funnest fighters in the UFC's middleweight division. He's cracked the top 10, no doubt. Hall was sitting at eight, so usually they flip-flop spots. Sean Strickland was at 11, so Hall will be at worst number eight. Maybe they put him even higher, but ahead of him, seven, six, and four of fighters who aren't matched up with anybody. Darren Till, everybody knows that loud Brit. Scouza, Scallywags, Jack Hermanson, and uh, Marvin Vittori. So, Sean Strickland, a very exciting, a very exciting fighter, and the new, uh, the new bully of the UFC. He says if he wasn't fighting, he would be doing meth in a trailer. Okay, you got my attention. <laughs> let's see what, uh, let's see what you can do next. So. Sean Strickland puts on a beatdown. Your boy predicted it exactly. Exactly. If you were doing a betting line, you would have made 330 bucks with a $100 down payment. So I've been uh, making you guys a little cheddar, some money to spend on your girl, your guy, to get your dad bod going, whatever you'd like. But yeah, great game plan by Sean Strickland. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what he does next. The best feel-good story of the weekend is coming up next. But first, for all you New York City, Long Island, upstate New York, Folks, people looking to get stuff done, renovated on your house. DePaterio Contracting Incorporated has got you covered. And they got me covered. They're going to be doing work on my roof. Whoa. It's an act of God to have them work on my roof. It, uh, I'm very thankful for them. They are fast. They know what they're doing well experienced if you guys want to have a whole house gutted they're your people they're very skilled they're very fast efficient affordable everything you want get a hold of them especially if you're located in the upstate region i am on strong island as i mentioned but they are making the commute for me so uh, i respect them and uh, i'm sure if if you guys uh are in need they will make the the commute for you you can reach them at 914-409-7060. Tell them the Iktagon sent you, and you will get a, another pat on the back. Again, Depaterio Contracting. Google them. Look them up. Give them a call if you need any work. If you just want to talk, they can talk. I'm sure you'll be wasting their time because they're extremely busy. I can barely get a hold of them. Um, but that's because they're doing so much. It's uh, it's pretty awesome to see the business just soaring. Follow them on Instagram. I'm pretty sure they have an Instagram and a, uh, a Facebook. They have trucks. They got manpower or woman power. And uh, they're ready to do work and renovate for you. Again, Depaterio Contract and Incorporated. Give them a call. 914-409-7060. 
Tell them the Octagon sent you. And uh, hopefully they'll maybe give you a hug on top of that, on top of that pat on the back. So the best feel good story of the weekend, AJ McKee strangling a pit bull. Holy moly. Now I've heard some cheap shots with the pit bull. His name is uh, Patricio. What's your, what the, I don't, I want to say Fieri so bad. Mm, mm, mm. I think it is free free area. Does Wikipedia do uh what do you call it? Uh uh pronounce things phonetically. No, they don't. No, they don't. So Patricio Pitbull Frieri got choked out. And lost in the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix to AJ McKee, a young, dynamic, fun, exciting to see what next co-featherweight. And uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, a lot of risk and reward for this fight. The winner got a million dollars, two belts. And also their win purse. So pretty amazing. But AJ McKee, who from the moment that he stepped, he started doing his walkout. Man, this kid was in the zone. He seemed like he found his groove like it was his night and he was fighting in his home state i believe he's from yeah long beach it makes sense he walked out to snoop dog ain't nothing but a g thing and uh man it was very special from the walkout to the glove touch, to the stare down, to the performance. It was his night. And Patricio Pitbull Fieri was not doing anything that was going to stop that momentum. It was beautiful. AJ McKee kind of fainted, 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 and then just found the perfect spot to throw a beautiful roundhouse kick to Pitbull's neck and ear area and just sent him stumbling back to the cage after a flurry and an uppercut that found its home. AJ McKee locked in a guillotine. And for a brief second, Pitbull goes out very similar to the Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler fight UFC 235, where you just see an arm go limp for a second. That means fights over and the rest is history. Now, for those of you that don't know, Patricio Pitbull is also the lightweight champion. So featherweight is 145. That's what these two just fought out this past Saturday for Bellator 263. But Pitbull is also not Dale, 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 Pitbull. Uh, Patricio Pitbull is also the 155 champion. So a champ champ status for him. Not anymore. AJ McKee 
I think it makes beautiful sense for him to just step up and challenge for the second belt. I think that's easy matchmaking and it's, uh, it'd be fun. I'll watch it again. I want to see how both those guys hold the 10 pounds. Uh, was Patricio compromised because of the steeper cut? Is he naturally a 155er? AJ McKee, who is a tall, lanky fighter, 5'10", who cuts to 145 pounds. That's pretty tall. Is he going to fill into his frame nicely? Is he going to stay at 155? Could he be the next big thing for Bellator? We will see. The The post-fight speech was extremely touching. And let me see if I can find it real quick. I probably should have looked this up before. No, no, it's uh, the press conference. <sighs> you know what? Maybe we'll play the press conference. You've envisioned for a long time, and as you sit up there right now, I, I mean, is it does it feel as sweet as you expected it to? Um, AJ yeah. <laughs> it's been 22 years in the making, so... Uh... Man, to do it the way I did it, I said I was going to do it in a stylistic fashion, you know. Um, done in one. When I rocked him, I was just like, that's it. I just knew it. You know, after the head kick, I hit him with that uppercut, and I didn't, I don't know, I just, I, I saw him quit. He didn't need it anymore. But uh, like the ref says, don't don't, don't stop punching until until I tell tell you to. You made, the 50. <laughs> you made your Bellator uh, debut in April 2015, and you talked about numerous times in the past how Pitbull was the guy that you always had your sights set on. So when you envisioned that fight over time throughout the years, I mean, was that what you expected here tonight, a quick quick finish like that, or did you think that it was going to be more of a, a battle? Honestly, I dreamt the fight. I knew I won the fight. I prayed. I prayed about it, and same night I had a, a vision. Um, so I knew I had victory, but it wasn't the dream that I had, which is peculiar. So um, looking into it now, maybe that's maybe that's the 155-pound title that I saw, you know, and uh, I don't know. I'm just enjoying this moment, man. I, I knew it was going to come, just having favor in the most high and just staying prayed up and blessed up, you know. This was this is his moment, shine through me. Wow. Great kid. Sounds good, looks good, fights even better, which is the most important thing for all you idiots and casual fans out there. The most important thing is to fight well. I mean, I don't care if a fighter doesn't self-promote that well, Amanda Nunes, or maybe a, uh, a Leota Machida back in the day, or maybe a Tyron Woodley. The most important tool for a champion fighter is to be a champion, remain a champion, and continue to be a champion. And then the talking, the interviews, the movies, the uh, whiskeys come after that. The most important thing is to fight and win. And this kid seems like he's doing the right thing. And it'd be cool to see the uh, the rematch at 155. You guys heard it. He's already hinting at it, that he saw it in his dream. Hey, that'd be fun. Bellator would be smart. Maybe they could squeeze it in before the end of the year. Maybe November, December. It depends on uh, Patricio, uh, how he's feeling. He did take a little bit of a beating in it, but not too bad. He stayed on his feet. It did end with the submission, not with the knockout. But yeah, maybe maybe December. That'd be a fun fight. I think it would be the the biggest fight of the year for Bellator, but I would definitely tune in for that. So the last thing I wanted to get to 
Jorge, Gamebred, Masvidal. Holy moly, does this man have options. And it's not just Leon Edwards. For everybody who's thinking it has to be Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal can only fight Leon Edwards. You guys are being very short-sighted. And Jorge Masvidal, who I believe is 36-37, who's earned the position that he's in after rattling, rattling off that amazing 2019 where he knocked out Darren Till, knocked out Ben Aspirin, had the doctor stoppage against Nate Diaz in Madison Square Gardens for the BMF title. Man, he was on fire. And then in July of 2020, UFC 251, he gets the fight against Kamaru Usman. And Usman was tentative in that fight. Masvidal took it on seven days' notice. He tried to figure out the chess match that is figuring out Kamaru Usman, who's always evolving his game. He did not. Usman says he was going into that fight with a broken nose, which you understand maybe that's why he wrestled more. But everything was settled in the rematch. Jorge sat it out, said, you know, I took that on six, seven days. Uh, let's see what happens after six weeks of training. And Kamaro anticipated that. He says, uh, I know this guy has a built-in excuse, his words verbatim, and he is – uh, I want to shut the haters up, the doubters up. And he did. I think it was UFC 262, the first arena show with the UFC uh, since early 2020. Holy moly, did he shut everybody up. But he woke up the crowd with that amazing knockout. Amazing knockout. Like he literally, Jorge, the sweat just flying off his head his jaw going a different direction and his body just crumbling, like deflating one of those car salesman things. Went down. Oh man, my back is sore. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh Hori's doing a lot better right now. And, uh, He's sitting back and waiting. And I'm sure the UFC. Man, it's late on the East Coast. Strong Island's about to go to Sleep Island in a second, but I just want to finish with this Jorge thing. Jorge Masvidal is doing the very, very smart thing. I was very short-sighted, and I was saying that it could only be Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards. That's it. But if you think about it, Jorge Masvidal can sit out and wait to see what happens with Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington. Say Covington loses that rematch against Kamaru Usman. Masvidal can fight Covington. Much bigger payday. What is Nate Diaz doing? I know he lost to Leon Edwards, but he won in the, the eyes of uh, every MMA fight fan, except Brandon, the truth on Twitter. That guy is just a, a Nate hater. Don't hate a Nate. You could do that rematch. So Jorge Masvidal can 
fight Colby Covington, which would be an absolute huge fight. That could headline a pay-per-view. No joke. No joke. With no title. Five rounds of that would be bananas. Uh, the lead-up would be awesome. That would be crazy. That would be Tito Ortiz Chuck, in my opinion. Two former teammates just spilling dirt on each other, and there would be extra inspiration to shut up the other guy. And that would be a beautiful fight, man. You would see those guys commit to everything, which would be fantastic. Jorge Masvidal fighting Nate Diaz rematch. That's the second most intriguing fight. Not only for Jorge, the UFC would have to agree. And for the fans, that would bring a lot of eyeballs to the fight. And there's a storyline built in there. The BMF title, the baddest motherfucker title, was not truly decided. And they will not do it again in New York State because the doctors who were working that fight, the New York State Athletic Commission, as they would be called, stopped the fight because of Nate's bleeding. If Nate versus Leon Edwards took place at Madison Square Garden, the fight would be stopped because he was bleeding just as bad in that fight, if not worse. And he continued the fight and almost won the fight. And for all those people who didn't believe Nate when he says the fight was turning in the end of the third round against Jorge Masvidal, he said he saw something He and Masvidal knows it. I think we should believe Nate when he says that because look at the confidence that he had with Leon Edwards, yes, he miscalculated. But barely, by like 30 seconds, he miscalculated getting that W. I've said this a couple of times um, on the record that a fight is a fighter's confidence in calculating their route to victory. Nate knew something that we didn't against Leon Edwards. And it's having that slim slither of faith, confidence, will to know that you believe you can win. And again, the fighter has to be the one who has all three of those and the most of that. Because he or she is the one competing. Fans can root for a fighter, but we're not in there at the end of the day. You could see a fighter down three rounds to them getting beat, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's over. It's over. I never liked this person anyway. And then they come back, and you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Because you didn't have as much faith as the fighter did. So I believe Nate when he's saying that he saw something turning in Masvidal at the end of that third round. And he had two more rounds to work with. He had – less than that when it came to the tides turn against leon edwards so that would be a fun rematch masvidal versus leon edwards which there is also a backstory built in you can say that masvidal is literally the gossip king street gossip because after he knocked out darren till he was doing a post-fight interview and leon edwards walked past and said some words to Jorge Masvidal, and Masvidal did not take it too kindly. He kind of tracked him down, kind of cut out of the interview early. Maybe I can find this. Masvidal Edward. 
fight. Let's see. And he, uh, I think I found it. Let's talk about that opening sequence. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> if you, hey, come over here. So, again, let's talk about. He's doing an interview with Laura Sanko, and he's not even looking at the beautiful Laura Sanko. He's literally grilling Leon Edwards. And uh, <laughs> I think he's saying, we could do it right now, or why don't you say it to my face? Listen. Let's talk about that opening sequence. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> If you shot, hey, come over here, say to my face. Come over here, say to my face. Come over here, say to my face. And then he walks with the hand pose, uh, hands locked behind his back. He's still fired up. And he throws about three or four strikes and pieces up for three piece and a sodas up Jorge Masvidal. I mean, excuse me, Leon Edwards. And kind of dips, and he said uh, it was very scary to get out of that uh, that scenario because, for those of you that don't know, Leon Edwards is a fighter representing the UK, and this fight was following <laughs> knocking out the UK's golden child and Darren Till in the UK, and then he's piecing up another UK fighter, a lesser known fighter but still a UK fighter and man might as well start of that beef. So he's got the incredible story backstory with Colby Covington, the MAGA fighter, as you guys will see it get ramped up again. I believe Colby and Usman is official for UFC 268 MSG NYC. Let's go. Let's go. I will be there. And you have the BMF fight, the rematch, which was originally at MSG, MSG, NYC. And then you have the Leon Edwards fight, which was in the UK, in the UK. So I think, uh, I think Masvidal is sitting good. He does not have to bow or bend the knee to the UFC and take what they give him. He is still a hot commodity, and one, he could be one win away from another title fight. If Colby wins, say Colby. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Say Colby beats Kamaru Usman. Yeah, 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 yeah. The trilogy is there. The trilogy is there. That'd be, that'd be fun, I'm sure, because then you get the Colby talking a lot of – a lot more crap with the victory under his belt or Colby could call out, as he says, street Judas for him and say, I want you for my first title defense, man, that would be freaking huge. That would be huge. And Usman could get it on with Leon Edwards. And that's Leon Edwards last loss. I believe he hasn't lost in 10 fights and Leon Edwards' last loss was for, to the current UFC champion, Kamar Usman. So a lot of things happen in that welterweight, and nobody cares about Gilbert Burns. <laughs> nobody cares about Gilbert Burns. Literally, he's like, hello, anybody? Anybody? Hello. He's putting on amazing performances. Yeah, he lost to uh, Kamar Usman pretty badly they were teammates and there was some uh some heat there but 
Burns bounced back phenomenally against. It was also UFC 264, the co-main against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Phenomenally, very smart game plan. Beautiful wrestling, beautiful strategy. Strong jujitsu, obviously, is a world champion, but he is looking for a fight, and nobody wants anything to do with him. They're like, dude, you're dangerous, and you don't make us money. You're you're high risk and low reward, basically. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is basically a better seller of a fight than Gilbert Burns. So Kamaru Usman, that's his sale point that he is a champ. Colby Covington, the MAGA fighter. Leon Edwards, he's hasn't lost in 10 fights and he can't sniff a title shot because he doesn't sell and Jorge Masvidal which damn he's all the way down at seven and his last loss was to the champ talk about uh cold-blooded whoever's ranking the UFC fighters that's cold-blooded but a fight to pay attention to in the welterweight division, which kind of could shake up things and maybe give Burns his next opponent or maybe Leon Edwards his next opponent if he has to wait on Jorge Masvidal, is this coming weekend, UFC 265, Michael Chiesa versus Vincente Luque. Man, that fight's going to be crazy. That's going to be a great fight. Uh, I will probably do a preview show at Friday, Friday night, I think that'd be a, a good time for it. So maybe Monday, the recaps, Fridays, the, the previews. But let's let's get in a little rhythm here, people. Let's let's keep the octagon rolling. Always working on big stuff in the background, not just this background in uh, in life. Shout outs to a higher power, God, the force above, the universe, whatever's there. Just I believe there are such things as Dustin Poirier said, which are karma. <laughs> and karma's not a mirror. No. Ah, I messed it up. He says, karma isn't a bitch, it's a mirror. To quote the great Dustin Poirier. But guys, I'm hoping you enjoyed this a little slow, a little quirky, a little all over the place. Uh, Shout-outs to four-time Olympic gold medal, uh, medalist wrestling, the Cuban, uh, Jean Lopez. Shout-out to the Macedonian, Jean Georgievsky, and the Israeli team for getting their medals. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the Iktagon. Thank you, Bert. Thank you to all the listeners, the watchers, the clickers, Believe Network, and you guys. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.